Dark Side of Soul podcast. This is Joe. Yummy. <laughs> that is here, fishy, fishy, fishy. Yummy. <laughs> this is Sean. That's Sean. Sean is hungry today. We're, gonna, we're talking about food today because he's trying to get Joe. Me- yeah, for two and a half years, almost three years to do this. He's been pushing me to do this because I go on these rants about food. Uh, and it's it's not really. It's it's just kind of like a lot of stuff that you're told is possibly wrong about Korean food. These are the mis- misconceptions people have about Korean food. It's it's a lot of this is based on a few of my blog posts on Zen Kimchi. Um. It's, it's just these are just things that uh, I'm always seeing in articles uh, <laughs> written by Koreans uh, trying to promote Korea or people parachute journalists <laughs> or yeah. or people you know I mean well well intended well intentioned children of of overseas Koreans who just summer here. And think they know the entire culture well the same way like a first year um hagwon teacher does yeah, um, right. <laughs> yes, exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah that's right let me tell you about korean culture Bucky. Yeah. how long have you been here been here six months mm-hmm. know all six about months, it man. know all about man koreans have man. you koreans have you been have you been to eda one have you been to eda one <laughs> have you been to uh the, the Pukan San National Park. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you like hiking? <sighs> sure do. Tell yeah. me all about it. Give so we're gonna dive. We're gonna dive straight into this, and uh, if we got more. We think of we might do another episode on this. I I just came in and just started typing like crazy, and get through this. Um, uh, before sh- before you just sorry, yeah. Joe, before you start, I just want to remind everyone and let everyone know who who may not who may not know, uh, but uh, we did do kind of a food episode. We did food poisoning episode. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Uh, this is not not this is not right at all. No, no. But uh, so we we did do a food centric episode once, at least one. I think only one yeah. before. So go back and listen to that one if if you haven't heard it. That that's a good that's a good episode, yeah. which was which was uh, which was because was kind of inspired by at the time some recent uh, food poisoning events uh, in Seoul and in Kyungido. Yeah. Yep, it's a good episode. Yeah, so let's Gross. let's get let's get in talking about things that. Would surprise some people about Korean food. Now, people who live in Korea will not be surprised by this. Uh, people in Korea do not eat as much beef as you think. Mm, definitely true. Yeah. Uh, most A lot of articles that keep reading about Korean food that are not written from people living in actual Korea talks about how Koreans eat a lot of beef. No, we don't. Uh, it's expensive. We have some of the highest beef prices in the entire world. Mm-hmm. So it's a special occasion thing. It's 
it's the reason like in America you might see a lot of beef at Korean restaurants is Koreans came over to America and went, Oh my God, can you believe the price of beef? Let's get as much of it as we can. <laughs> That's what it is. It's the same way how I am in Korea and I see how cheap oysters are here. Mm. And I eat so many oysters here. Oysters are like 8,000 adult, a dozen. Less less than fifty cents, around fifty cents an oyster. Really, that yeah, cheap. yeah. In Korea, now, right now it's oyster season, and I've been going to the, right. I've been going to the fish market quite a bit on tours, and we've been mm -hmm. getting it's oyster season, so we've been getting oysters. Everyone that has been on the tours has been has been going like, oh my god, I can't believe they're so cheap here. Right. Mm. Yeah, which is why. An oyster bar has ne oyster bars have never take, done, taken off in Korea as a concept because Koreans can't think of oysters as a fancy food. It's too cheap. Too cheap. Too readily available. Mm. Yeah. Unlike beef, though. Beef is a very fancy food. Yeah. And, and, and as you said, expensive, super mm -hmm. expensive. Yeah. We only we've only go out for beef barbecue. Other than chadobagi. Chadobagi is the very extremely thinly sliced brisket. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so popular is we get to have a taste of beef, but you know, it's really not that much meat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. I have a I have a friend of mine that works, and I think I've told you this before, and that this is on the the the, the topic of beef specifically. He he is now the CEO in of a company he inherited from his father, a small firm that, uh, that that's in the agricultural technology industry. Mm -hmm. And I've known him for about 10, 10, 12 years. And he, um, he's given me a lot of interesting insight on the industry itself. Like why it's so expensive. Uh, Jump in anytime you feel. Yeah. And why milk is so expensive as well. Korea has a milk crisis. I think a lot of people don't yeah, realize butter that. is really expensive. And he told me that a lot of the dairy that's brought in from a lot of the dairy that's there's a there's a mixture of dairy because bring it back to cows. Um, a lot of the dairy comes from overseas, mm -hmm. and then a lot of the dairy is used. So the dairy that the milk that people drink in Korea mm -hmm. is produced in Korea, mm -hmm. but the dairy that's used to make like butter comes from overseas and see that's funny because you get a lot of snobby people especially from europe mm -hmm. or parts of the midwest america mm -hmm. that complain korean how bad korean butter is i think the churning maybe maybe just the quality of the no but this, it's, this, not, but it's not even korean butter that's the funny thing well it's Kore not korean milk it's i think it's definitely a korean product but I find cream butter really bland. It's either really, it's either too bland or it's too salty. Mm. Mm. So I, it's we don't fine. buy cream butter. I, I, I don't like cream butter. Okay. Honestly, but I love Korean ice cream <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and, and the, and the dairy used in uh, the milk used to make ice cream in Korea comes from overseas. Hmm. Yeah. That makes for, sense. For yeah. my friend. And he said, that's one of the reasons why it's cheap because the dairy coming from overseas is cheaper than the stuff that's produced here. Hmm. according to my friend who works in the agricultural industry. And that leads into why Korean beef is so expensive. Uh, hmm. uh, specifically the type of beef called Hanu, which is always spelled Hanwu. Yeah. 
I really hate that rule. I really hate that rule with romanizing Korean. The putting the woo. Who came with the idea of putting woo for ooh? Why wow, the romanization's weird? Why? Why yeah. is why is the surname Park spelled Park? You know, oh, that's from a long time ago. That that's when oh well, we wanna we wanna have a name that sounds normal to American ears. Guess so, but I mean, like you can see people with the same name from the Chosun Dynasty being written about at the end of the Chosun Dynasty, and it's usually written B A K. It's mm. Pak, right? Pak. It's strange. I understand, like E, the family name E, being written as Lee because that same character is mm. pronounced Lee when read, read in China, but um, in Korea it's read as E, so they've just spelt it, they romanize it the way the Chinese pronunciation of the same character is. Anyway. So- Anytime no you see, anytime you see W O O, the W is silent. Right, W. Han Wu, Hanu, mm. Hanu beef. That is our version of. Uh, so it's supposed to be in the same same tier as Wagyu slash Kobe beef. Mm. Uh, you don't really see it much outside of Korea because we eat it all. We don't have any left <laughs> to export. <laughs> I'm going to eat it all. You can have none. Um, but the thing is, uh, the, the Hanu industry itself is shady. Uh, it, it's really hard to trust what you're getting. And and also, the grading system does not indicate quality. This is really interesting, too. The grading, the Korean grading system for Hanu, which we, we came about in 1992... It's based on the fat content, not the quality of the meat itself. The marbling, right? That's big it's, in Korea. Yeah, it's all about the marbling. Mm. So a one plus plus Hanu, which is the highest level, even though there are some shysters on Coupang that claim that they have one plus plus plus. That doesn't exist. That that is that is a scam. One plus 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 is a scam. Here's your- there's your dark side. Yeah, that that that's when like Korea starts saying that they're going to build a seven star hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the extra qualities Where, in the single star. That's why you know we have we have convenience stores called GS twenty five. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> one more hour than twenty four hours. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So one plus plus Hanu, um, it actually can have lower quality than U.S. Choice. So and see, I I don't know what what is U.S. Choice like. Where is that on the th- there? There system? are a few other. Okay, Prime Prime is the best. I think. Okay. Yeah, and Choice is the next tier under. Um, okay. and and it's based on a few other categories. Uh, the quality. I mean, the how the the cows feed, uh, how the cow is raised, things like that. Mm. Um, on top of fat content, uh, okay. is just one dimensional. It's totally just fat content. So it's it's kind of confusing because you can have one plus Hanu that's lower quality than U.S. Choice, but you can have third grade Hanu that's better than U.S. Prime. Mm. Yeah. Um, in Japan, it's, Japan has a little more like they have a twelve step grading system, really complex, which is surprising oh, because you program. know. Yeah, but but it was kind of funny because you know how Korea loves to make everything complicated. Why why hasn't Korea done that yet? <laughs> yeah, um, and, and and the thing is, see, a lot of people think that the rating system one plus plus is about the quality of the cow. 
that's just about the fat content. So that works if you're going to have ribeye. But if you need other parts like the ribs, the shank, the tail, the bones, one plus plus doesn't mean anything. But a lot of people will still pay top dollar for a bone, a, a shin bone that comes from a cow that happened to have a lot of fat on it. <laughs> Think about it. Sounds a bit like a scam too, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So you if you ever come across like a Solong Tong place that brags that they 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 make their Solong Tong with with Hanu one plus plus bones, be very skeptical of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that means nothing. That means, yeah, that means absolutely nothing. And and also the bones for making stock are better when they come from bulls and Hanu that's graded is cows, the female Mm. Mm. gender. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I don't want to go off to why is it, why is it better to come from bulls? Why is bone, why is stock? Uh, I think it's more better flavor. I think so. Maybe it's, it's, it's more marrow maybe. Or, and this is just thing. Must be, must be something getting flavor. Well, think That's about what it. Maybe the if bones are larger. It, maybe cows. Cows are giving milk, and that 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 uh, that, that decreases calcium and other parts right. from the yeah. So so okay, that makes sense then. Yeah, yeah. and then like you said, more marrow. And I was thinking, yeah, because they they would the bones would definitely be larger in a yeah. bull. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Also, I'm a virgin um, of the stuff. Uh, a lot of people say that oh, Korean beef is great because it's never been frozen. That's also a misnomer because in order to see the marbling, you have to freeze the meat. Oh, is that right? Yeah, <laughs> I never thought of that. Mm. Yeah, so if it's grated, if it's grated, that meant the that means the meat has been frozen, so they could grate it. Interesting. Interesting. So then what's the whole thing? Like the whole thing saying that we don't, it's not frozen. It's just a way to kind of uphold the myth of the quality or. Yeah. Because foreign, foreign meat is all frozen. Yeah. Korean meat is different because it's not, it's fresh. Okay. Okay. But that's, that's nonsense. Yeah. It's nonsense. I mean, okay. okay. Mm -hmm. So if you do go to Majang market, I'm sure that you could get beef that hasn't been frozen yet, but, and they will put the one plus plus one, but that's, that's just because it might've just come from a cow. I don't know from a farm that consistently does one plus plus. They only, okay. Yeah. It's not beneficially graded though. Okay. Right. So it's possible. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah. Now the high price, Sean, what did your friend say? What are the high price for Korean cows? Uh, no, I don't remember that. Um, but the thing about the price he said was uh, high demand mm-hmm. and small supply, yeah, and small land for supply. Your reason, yeah, the reason for small small supply is because they're unable to have a bigger supply. Right, there's not enough. Fl- so he pointed out that the largest farm. In Korea, I think he said is in Jeju-do. Mm, in Jeju, I, I heard Jola. May, maybe it's Jola. Maybe maybe it's Jola. I, I I can send him a quick message see if he replies while we're while we're recording here. Um, and um, 
And so, but wherever it is, and I will, I'll send a quick message. Um, but wherever it is, he said, Korea's largest farm is still smaller than Australia's smallest farm. Mm. So like yeah, Australia, yeah. yeah. So like Australia, uh, Canada and us, they have farms with tens, like like 10,000 head of steer, yeah. head of, head of, uh, head of cow. Yeah. So, um, and in Korea, there's just no way to have a farm that big. No. So, yeah. yeah. So that that's how he broke it down. He said high demand for mm-hmm. some with small supply, and the reason for small supply is that there's not enough real estate, which makes the real estate itself also expensive, which you're also paying for. And that's related to what the real reason is. And a lot of people say it's because of the convoluted distribution system, which we've talked about that with vegetables and such. Mm. Um, it, it's from the feed. Um, uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because that's actually, that's actually where he works. He works in the feed section. His, yeah. his uh, machinery is for feed. As you said, uh, cows don't have much space to go out and graze. There isn't much pasture, so they have to get feed. And on top of that, Korea imports much of its feed. <laughs> so yeah. that, yeah, so it's all there. Um, also, Hanu cow cattle tend to be slaughtered at a later age than Western beef. So that that that's more days of feeding a cow. Right. That's other reasons why it's just getting more. It's getting pricier and pricier. Yep. And and I heard from one guy. Now he was a Hanu distributor. Uh, he told me that Koreans don't like the taste of grass-fed beef, and the connoisseurs can tell if a if a cow has touched grass. Um, and I'm calling bullshit on that because most cows are or they're given some. T- if they're grain fed, they still they're usually finished with grain. They don't eat grain their entire lives. Mm. It's very bad for their stomachs, for the, their digestion system. Mm. And yeah, it, it causes a lot of the farting. It's the grain. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, the silage and stuff that they eat. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So he did yeah. see my message. Let's see if he replies. But keep okay. going. <laughs> I'll right. interject. I'll interject if he. If he but but I mean, I, but I was also told too. I, there was a myth that that Hanu is not really Hanu. It's, uh, it just means that it was grown in Korea, but it actually is a separate breed, just like Wagyu is a separate breed. Mm-hmm. So you can breed and raise Hanu outside of Korea. Mm. Um, but as a part of pride, no Korean distributor or restaurants going to say that their hanu was raised outside of korea nonetheless this is a story i heard from someone when i was at the um uh uh the 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 pub at the basement of the british embassy um uh, and uh he he was uh okay was, i guess it was a his associate yeah so he was talking to it was a reporter i was talking to and he, he was talking to a, a guy who was a veterinarian uh, sitting next to him on a plane and said, yeah, he flies back and forth between Australia and Korea uh, watching the conditions of these cows because these are Hanu that are raised in Australia and finished in Korea. So <laughs> the, the kind of bust open that little myth. If this is true, if this is true. 
Um, also, I mean, another thing to caution about uh, Hanu and domestic beef, um, it, it, it's ironic. It is uh, it comes from the 2008 beef anti-American beef protests. Um, and now I'm starting to see in the Korean literature, people are starting to say the same thing I said back in 2008. It's now making it worse. Uh, that it was that the whole beef protest was concocted by the beef industry to protect themselves um, because they knew they couldn't compete with they would have a hard time competing with uh, the safety standards <laughs> and such. Um, so what happened was okay. So the the, the anti American beef protest was um, uh, uh, Emil Bak, who was the freshly elected uh, president was opening up the market. He was, he was honoring an FT, FTA that was signed, a free trade agreement that was signed earlier before his tenure um, that promised to open the beef market for, between America and and Korea. And America has, has had three total mad cow incidents uh, before then. Um, and so everyone went up in arms because they created this, uh, this, this news program called PD diary was showing um, footage of downer cows, which has nothing to do with mad cow, but they were claiming that this cow couldn't stand up at the slaughterhouse because uh, uh, sick because, because it had mad cow disease. Now, in fact, it was a sick cow and it shouldn't have been put into the food chain. But they were mislabeling that as mad cow and saying that America is sending all of these mad cow, uh, mad mad cow beef to Korea, and it's going to poison your children. Um, the mm. big irony is that uh, of that is that they did put in stricter controls for to, to detect mad cow disease in American and foreign cattle, um, but they're not really putting those same tests on domestic cattle. Also, they only focused on mad cow. They do not focus on the diseases that caused the cow in that documentary footage to be diseased. Hmm. <laughs> so they're not detecting for those things. So that, that was that was a bad thing. So anyway, um, uh, foreign beef has to go through more stringent safety standards than domestic beef. Um, those, yeah. Those protests were mad. <laughs> yeah. was the burnt tipping buses and burning the buses and stuff. Yeah, Remember? that was nuts. Also, was- um, this is also a, a, a side effect too, because because of this, uh, Hanu Hanu beef is such a point of pride of Korea. Uh, they will not allow the cows to crossbreed to improve it now, um, because uh, wagyu wagyu. The only way it's been able to get better is through crossbreeding with foreign cattle, and uh, Koreans won't let it do, won't let it happen. And so now we're stuck. Uh, we're we're stuck with basically incestuized cattle. <laughs> uh, they're they're running out. They're running out of um, of uh, uh, variations in the gene pool for Hanu beef. So, really? Yeah. So expect some problems down the road from that one. It's interesting. You know. So I mean, Korea is going to have to uh, 
start breeding with foreign cattle or it's going to have a big problem on its hands. Um, and from experience, <sighs> it'll wait till the problem happens before it does anything. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Also, imported in Australian and American prime cuts aren't that distinguishable to the average consumer compared to Hanu. So unscrupulous sellers will take imported beef and call it Hanu. Really? Yeah. More scandals. Yeah. <laughs> or- and, 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 and really what makes Hanu interesting, um, um, prized amongst Koreans are three things. Marbling, like we said, the umami flavor, Mm-hmm. and chewiness now chewiness is just one of those texture things that i've noticed the korean palate really likes that's mm. also why koreans like jeju uh a black pig mm. is people talk about how chewy it is personally i'm not i think i think the western palate prefers things that are like buttery yeah, buttery soft. texture soft the texture they don't yeah. want they don't want chewing gum right i don't want my i don't want my beef to be hubba bubba but wanna... you know what? I I'm wondering if they mean al dente rather than mm. chew. It might be a bad translation because I've always heard to, chewiness to the teeth. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's more firmness. Right. Because right. think about it. Think about the difference between Korean hue and like, I always do that with that pronunciation. Hue, Korean hue and Japanese sashimi. Mm. Japanese sashimi has been aged a bit, so it's soft and unctuous. And Korean mm. hue is is because of rigor mortis, it's tough. Right. Chewy, it's tough mm-hmm. and chewy. It's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's firm, almost right. crunchy. Right. Mm. That might be a. Interesting. And so you came up. Uh, you got an answer about uh, the beef farm. I did. Yeah. So my friend just messaged me back. Uh, he uh, he said that it's in Sasan, Chungcheong Namdo. They have three thousand mm. three thousand heads. I knew it was about three thousand, uh, but I couldn't remember where it was Sasan. And he does work here as well. So okay. Um, so that so is Sosan is, is south near Busan, right? Yeah, in Chungcheng. Yeah, Chungcheng. Well, Chungcheng Namdo. I want to be. I want to be more specific. Hold on, I'm looking up now. I'm trying to think of where Susan. Oh, no, no, so, so, no, no, no. Sosan. No, no, it's in the west. Oh my god, yes. it's very much on the west coast. Yeah, Chungcheng Never Namdo. Mind. It's in the Namdo. I'm thinking of. Okay, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's but it's uh, very much on the west coast. I'm looking at it now. Very much. Yeah, yeah. So from Seoul, it's. Uh, it's um maybe it's a it's four hour drive maybe yeah because you traffic because with tra- yeah maybe it's a three hour drive from from Seoul but it's South, really not you that got, far away uh no no not at all um so because you when you drive down there um you it's yeah it's a bit of a it's a bit of a drive around because when you go south you then have to uh, turning start going east because you have to go around the um you have to go south of Pyeongtaek. Mm. There's the, okay. the big the big uh the, it's closer the to Pyeongtaek, yeah. Oh yes, yeah it's much closer to Pyeongtaek. So yeah you have to go around the uh the bay and everything that's that big bay the the um the bay that cuts the Chungcheong uh Kyunggido and Chungcheong Namdo in half. Mm. Yeah. So uh Kyunggi's in the north and then and that's Pyeongtaek, and then you go south, and then it's so it's like west of Asan. Mm, west of Asan. Yeah. All right, we yeah. got it. Uh, by now, everyone's looked it up on Google Maps. Yes, right. <laughs> right. Um, another now that we're, let's get off the beef subject. Um, 
It's the this, beat. This doesn't really get Sean. Uh, Korean food, spiciness. Can you eat kimchi, Joe? It might be too spicy for me, Sean. <laughs> we better explain that. We better explain that. Okay. Cool. Uh, um, <laughs> Some people may, uh, know this, may, may know that. It, so many articles right. come out talking about how spicy Korean food is. And on top of that, we get a lot of Koreans inside Korea saying, oh, foreigners can't eat this because it's too spicy. This presumptuousness about on Koreans. It's a little bit frustrating when you're, yeah. I, I got that like last week, went into a place speaking Korean with the woman, ordered my meal. She brought it. And she's like, won't this be too spicy for you? And I said, I just told you I've been here for 23 years. I'm okay. Don't worry about it. I ordered it. I'm fine. No, yeah. Don't worry about it. So. Yeah. Um, it's, it can be spicy, but it's not as spicy as other cuisines you've already enjoyed. No, I would say it's not as spicy as a lot of Mexican food, Indian food, especially oh. Thai food. Yes, it is spicier than Ikea food. <laughs> the only people that I've found that has found Korean food too spicy have been sorry. It's been from the Nordic countries and from Central Europe. <laughs> <laughs> it's spicier where, where, than fish and chips. Where the spiciest thing they touch is black pepper. That's ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm making fun. I'm making fun, but I, yeah. I've had people on my tours who, even one guy, even black pepper was too spicy for him. <laughs> Everyone has a different palate, but I mean, yeah. yeah. But Korean food comparatively is not that spicy. No, um, there. Uh, but when you do get something spicy, but that doesn't mean just dive into everything. Do test it a bit because the Korean chili, especially the Chungyang chili, um has a uh it has a delayed heat mm. yeah and the chungo chili is kind of interesting too that's that's the, like the chili that's used a lot in korean food the chungyong gochu um that was developed in the 1960s by the korean government right yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like some evil cold war project <laughs> <laughs> we would develop the chilies yeah now there are korean foods that are very spicy of course fire chicken bulldog Oh. Um, most all the stir fried uh, octopus and squid. Yeah. yeah, that's they're known for just butt burning spice, but just delicious. It is. It feels good. Those are yeah. The good that's ones. that's the thing. I'm a, I like spicy food as long as it's also flavorful. Yeah. So this is why I love say like a vindaloo. You get a really good vindaloo curry. Mm-hmm. That's uh, just I've had so so many good vindaloo in India and Nepal. And it's really spicy. Rip your face off spicy sometimes. Yeah. But it, it just has such a delicate taste as well. It's a really strange mixture. And a lot of Korean spicy food, like buldak, buldak even though it's really spicy, it still has this nice flavor to it mm-hmm. that, that you can enjoy. Yeah. Mm. But there, there was just- a trend. there was a trend almost 10 years ago of – pumping up the spice and they would just add capsaicin, just straight up capsaicin, no flavor added like the, like a, a, a gym, um, galbi gym, spicy galbi gym, uh, 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 raised ribs, braised pork ribs. They would do that. Galbi gym is so good. It is great. <laughs> but, but, and I like so spicy galbi gym, uh, but when they're just doing that, they weren't adding yeah. flavor. Now there's some places. Oh, uh, there's also duck bao too. Uh, chicken feet, chicken feet, delicious. Oh, that's so especially good. especially mm. when dipped in ranch or blue cheese. 
<laughs> that's what Chokes. I do with it. That's what I do with it. I introduced Chokes. EJ to it, and she she never touched. She never would eat that. So she said I was too spicy and scary. And then I, I I broke out I broke out a bottle of blue cheese dressing and started doing that and I had her try it she was like oh and then she had like two or three more after that I can <laughs> definitely see it because definitely blue cheese would have like a real cooling effect yeah on, it's, on it's yeah. buffalo wings just treat the chicken feet like yeah. buffalo wings that's what we did yeah Joe doing a bit of fusion there yeah yeah I was well, just find ways of fusion. enjoying it yeah yeah no that's fine mm. yeah. Koreans yeah, love putting Korean cheese food. in all their stuff now. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because Korean food not as spicy as a lot of people keep promoting it to be, or yeah, mm-hmm. generally, generally. Yeah. All right, so um, we're going to have to if we're going to do a, an episode on Korean food, <sighs> we're going to talk about the dog meat issue. That's fine. I think it's good. There's a lot of a lot of good things to say about the dog meat issue. Okay. I want to point out dogs <clears throat> were the earliest domesticated animal. If you think about it, dogs were early in the historical record, the earliest domesticated animal. Uh, they were mostly, you know, they came around to help guard and help with hunting, but most all prehistoric people ate dog at some time. Um, and it made more sense back then than other meats before other animals were domesticated. I mean, some some animals were too hard to catch, like horses and zebras and gazelles. <laughs> some animals were needed for working the fields, like cattle. Uh, uh, then animals like cattle had low birth rates compared to dogs. Uh, chickens, hens were needed for their eggs, so you don't want to kill. You don't want to kill an animal that's going to produce other food. And and sheep and goats were more difficult to control, and they needed a lot of grazing land. And, and besides, goat meat is tough, and sheep gave wool. And so dogs don't didn't need much land, and they're omnivorous. They just they just eat whatever scraps you give them. I mean, most everyone who has a dog, if you if you drop something or spill something, you, you there are people you know you wait for the dog to take care of it before you clean it up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And and we know from records that in Korea, they like you're talking about how dogs have been around every culture for so long. We do know that dogs, dog meat was consumed before the unified, before the three kingdoms period. So before unified Chilla and so the, yeah. and before the three kingdoms period itself. So that's that, that we know that that goes back to like, pre seventh century mm-hmm. that's old and then the the dongguk seishigi um which i've talked about several times in episodes and when the, the whole our book episode we did now now months ago um i, I mentioned that the dongguk seishigi is one of the most important books in my arrival in korea that helped me understand the korean folklore and whatnot uh there are records it, it, it's this book is from 1849 mm-hmm. and they're 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 talking very very openly and very normally about consuming dog for the sambo the three, uh, for, for the three no. dog days of summer yeah 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 so yeah, yeah. it's not something it's it, it's actually a very cultural thing but it's not 
it's not isolated to Korea. It was widespread right. throughout Asia. It was exactly. not. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And even right. France, they've eaten dog in, in parts sure. of South America. They've eaten dog. So right. the, it, was, it was because, well, I'll say that. So even today it's dog, dog meats eaten way more in China than it is in Korea or South Korea. We're specifically talking about. And it, it, it did start falling out of favor in Korea in the 1990s. And it was sparked by the 1988 Olympics and before that, the 1986 Seoul Asian Games. Um, because a lot of attention, Bridget Bardot was making a big stink about Koreans eating dogs. Um, and so Chun Doo Won, our least favorite of the dictators, um, he, he pushed all the dog restaurants to the back alleys. And then he, he even changed some of the science to say rabbit soup or goat soup or duck soup. <laughs> People would know that they were serving dog soup. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. Uh, and still now, if you some places that serve the, like the kejang or the you know, the or the uh, the kejang kejang boshintang yeah tang and stuff like that yeah um, they will. The sign will say something else. What is it? I don't know. I don't know because they're all gone. I mean, in the it early says, days of the barbecue chicken. tour. Oh, okay. In the early yeah. days of the barbecue tour, I did like take people and showed them where there was a dog meat restaurant, but those are all long gone now. Right, right. Yeah. I do know a few where, where I live. There, there's one, at least one that I know of, but I, I don't even know if it's actually, I don't know if it's still open. I've been by there in a long time. Mm. Um, but yeah, they're definitely falling out of favor. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, and the turn of the millennium, the growth of pet culture. Yeah, dogs mm-hmm. are now pets, not meat. You know, I had a I had a dog. Her friends, uh, not food. This is from Finding Nemo. <laughs> dogs right, are right. our friends, not food. <laughs> so I had a yeah, I had a dog for ten years. Uh, Lakota was his name, and mm-hmm. um, he. Um, I had it from 2002 to 2012. He died in 2012. And he was a big donkey. So if anyone doesn't know donkey, donkey means a mutt. It was a mixed Oh, okay. Donkey. A poop dog. Shit dog. Yeah. Not, not, not a donkey. Not a hee-haw. Yeah, right. Yeah. Donkey. Yeah. So anyway, he was one of those typical kind of farm dogs that's uh, either red or white, usually. And they're big. They're hefty. They're tough. They're strong. Um they're very uh, loyal, but they hate, they hate, they're very, very protective of their owners. Mm. So no one could get around my dog. No one, he just wasn't, no one, he wasn't friendly with anyone except me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, uh, several times when I first got him, so it was 2002, I would hear people, I'd walk by, they'd look at him and they were saying something that I kept thinking they were saying, oh, mashy. Uh, 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 so and I, my Korean was way better than that. And I wasn't getting it because I should have got it. Um, but I guess my Korean wasn't as good as I figured it was at the time. Yeah. And they kept saying what I was saying was, Oh, mashy so, which is <laughs> which grammatically would not have made sense either because it means mashy so means, Oh, this is delicious. Oh, mashy so. 
Yeah, so not mashikita, mm-hmm. like that looks mashi, delicious. Yeah, yeah mashikita looks delicious. Yeah. Mashiso, it is delicious. <laughs> so, but what they were saying, they were saying moshiso, moshi, moshi. Yeah, I, I, I cool. confused it for the longest time as well. And I would get pissed off. I was like, fuck off. <laughs> like, <laughs> eat, eat my dog. Um, but, uh, but no, so they're then, saying your dog looks cool when you thought they were saying it looked tasty. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. And I, 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 uh, and then my Korean friend was like, no, I think you, you've misunderstood what they're saying. They're probably saying, well, she's so, it's, it look, he looks cool. I'm like, oh, I was like, oh, yeah. Why didn't I catch that? Oh, I man. Know, maybe, maybe, my, that guy. maybe my defenses are up. But, uh, yeah, that yeah. was my, that was my dumb mistake. That's funny. But, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, we got we got to admit did, did did you have you ever eaten dog in Korea? No, I haven't. I've never eaten dog. Uh, mm. I've had it three so, times and no no more. I'm not having it right. anymore. Yeah. Um. So, what's the team? Mm-hmm. Amundsen, Amundsen, Scott. You know the 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 race for uh, the Antarctic, like 1908 or something like that. Oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So. The 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 Amundsen's team uh, survived because they ate their dogs. Yeah, but that's an extreme example. That's like that's like the the people who crashed in the Andes and they ate the survive mm. the you know, survivors ate. Yeah, that's not like yeah. saying like, "Hey, I'm in the mood to eat some sled dog." Right. It's not the same as that. Yeah. No, like, and I don't know exactly the the whole story. Maybe getting it wrong because I do know they also ate. They I think they they ate penguins as well. Okay. Amundsen's team. But I remember Scott's team. Yeah, Scott's team, the British team, wouldn't eat any of that. They wouldn't eat their dogs. Mm-hmm. So they failed and they they, they perished. See? Eat your I dog. Maybe getting the <laughs> so eat your dog. But I mean, I may be getting I think I'm getting That's I'm getting a, I'm kind of figuring out the moral of your story here, Sean. <laughs> this has just popped in my head. But but I'm oh. trying to I'm trying to, to to lend credence to what you're saying, how you can see it. Through different cultures and different uh, different things, but I think yeah. Robert Scott's, um, yeah, Amundsen beat Amundsen beat Scott because they they were willing to well to well to, they were willing to do more to do something more extreme to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. But anyway, I mean, what I want to end with with the dog meat issue is these days. Doing dog meat jokes with Korea is in the realm of racism. Racism today. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. I'm just say that. Uh, and it's lazy. It's not even. It's it's lazy. It's lazy racism on top of that. Mm-hmm. Not very clever to do a Korean dog meat joke. Right. So that's like when call it. Like when call it out. That's like when all this came out about the the um, you know COVID. And the 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 wet markets and all this all this stuff mm-hmm. they're saying oh that's where carbon came because they they eat bats and people were there's so many racist comments um, online around that time and then I would respond to people people I know and I'd say well you know they eat they eat bats in North America as well there are places where they eat bat white people eat them are you going to say anything bad these dirty white people you're saying the dirty chinese you're going to say anything you're going to say dirty white people eating bats no you're not because because they're the same color as you racist fuck so um <laughs> yeah it's so it's the same thing and it's uh, you know extending extending your racism through 
through a cultural diet. It's just so yeah. strange. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, also kimchi, it's not rotten cabbage. No, I've never heard this before. I've never heard. Uh, I I think it's I think it's an old old uh, concept of fermentation. People thought kimchi was rotten. But I mean, that's another thing that you can see in every everything ferments alcohol. I mean, like yeah. These aren't I mean, the smartest people I'm talking about, though. <laughs> well, no, I'm definitely yeah. not. These, these yeah. are the yeah. These, these are some of the ones you you know the one the ones uh, that are that are standing in line at customer service at the Walmart. <laughs> in their in their in their rascal scooters. Sorry to any of our listeners who fit that description. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, you're listening to the podcast while you're sitting in your rascal scooter trying to return your your 32 case of Mountain Dew. Uh, Anyway, anyway, sorry. Now um, he's being racist, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, uh, these are these are my people. I know I, don't, I can make fun of my people. Um, it's true, but it's they, true. yeah, yeah, yeah. Korean, it's it's fermentation. It's not rot. Big difference. Yeah, Big difference. Yeah, yeah. If anyone thinks that, it's like, don't forget, your alcohol is fermented. <laughs> so, bread, bread is fermented. Bread is fermented. Yeah, I mean, cheese from fermentation. Yogurt. allowed human yeah fer- fermentation allowed humans to in all cultures to survive a proper pickle yeah yeah mm. there's a lot of newfie food that's fermented like pickles there's a lot of pickling in newfoundland mm. that was newfoundland done. yeah see newfie food it's not rotten it's not rotten yeah you it's, eat it all the time listener you don't think yes that's right <laughs> yes so it is there's there's bottle there's bottled moose for it you know <laughs> so but there uh, we go yeah newfie new fried moose nfm fried moose yeah <laughs> no no but fried a, a roast a new a, 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 a moose roast that's how you gotta do it moose roast. or sausage oh jesus some oh, some, my, oh my g Sean, we're not doing much to help the reputations of our our respective region birth regions <laughs> Don't give a Christ. <laughs> okay, yeah. one that I know you've gotten on the subbox about Korean food is not all healthy. Uh, no, that, yeah, no, yeah, that's 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 a myth that that kind of bothers me a little bit. Uh, a myth that's perpetuated internally. That, mm-hmm. um, yeah, um, yes. it's just not. <laughs> it's just yeah. not that people help. promoting it's- Korean food inside Korea keep saying, "Oh, Korea, you know, uh, uh, foreigners." Foreigners are going to love Korean food because it's healthy, uh, as if foreigners have no exposure to healthy food. This is like right. the big, this is the this big is- holy grail that is going that Korea is going to to present to the world is finally, finally you will you barbarians you will have healthy food. <laughs> like this is the epicenter of of health. Yeah, it's 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 frustrating, and that and to me that is that that's a prejudice because it is it is an idea. It's like the idea that everyone thinks everyone like in Korean. I like, people think Americans just eat hamburgers every every single day, right? And I asked a person one time, says, "Well, if you think that about America, what do you think Canadians eat every single day?" He's like, "I don't know, something with maple syrup on it." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my Jesus. Okay. All right. We got to talk a little bit. And then I would reverse it. It's like, would, and I try in a way I like, I, I kind of tried to reverse it. And I first said, well, would you be happy if everyone thought Koreans ate kimchi every day? And then I stopped myself. I was like, no, nope, that doesn't work. Cause yeah. they do eat kimchi. Yeah. They so do. that's where it comes from. 
That's where it comes from. And then, uh, and I was like, and then I was like, huh? Yeah. Koreans eat the same thing every single day. Yeah. There's very little variety in what they eat from day to day. When they they eat at home. It's a stomach cancer in the world. Yeah. When they eat at home. And yeah. And I've said it before. I, my, I had, when I had my stroke a few years ago afterward, my doctor and nutritionist said, don't eat Korean food like a Korean because it's not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And there have been reports. And I know this, I can't give the source right now off the top of my head, but um, there were, there were, Korean nutritionists, scientists, doctors, whatever, who did write reports about the the adverse effects of eating Korean food with the way that Koreans generally eat it. Yeah, don't overindulge in anything. And nothing like kimchi three times a day is not good for you. No, you should probably you shouldn't even eat it every day. A couple times a week is probably enough. Yeah, the probiotics are good, but the 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 sodium. And it, but they eat, they eat massive quantities of it as well. Yeah, yeah, it should be eaten as like a palate cleanser. Yeah. So, I mean, like it's it's like getting a big pile of the pickled ginger at the sushi restaurant and just eating eating. <laughs> Hold on, I did that today. Hold on. <laughs> uh, can I get some of this to go? <laughs> oh, I have the most amazing udon today. Anyway, um. <laughs> But anyway, no. But but anyway, we've already talked about it in other episodes. Yeah, yeah. Korean, so Korean Korean food is not this massive idea of health. And the thing that bothers me, and I'm pretty sure you talked about this either on the show or you just we you and I talked about it before. How the Korean government actually promotes Korean food is by saying it's healthy, as if mm-hmm. people give a shit about health when they're choosing what to eat. If they're yeah. traveling somewhere, they're going to eat food to enjoy. Yeah, they're going to think. Yeah, yeah. Like but who, but in who, Korea, you've seen that healthiness is is a promotional vehicle. You can advertise something as well being. It's it's propaganda. It's nonsense. And people go for it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my wife did not touch cilantro until she saw a, a news show that talked about its health properties, <laughs> and now she loves it. Yeah. There you go. Uh, a similar thing with maple syrup. People have like they miss they misunderstand maple syrup. They just like Koreans do. And I know I know Koreans do. They think it's just they think it's not natural. They think it's something that's produced. It's made in a factory somewhere and it's just sugar well, sugar in, water. In Korea, it is. Yeah, uh, Korean maple syrup's garbage. Yeah, don't don't yeah. eat that stuff. Um, but yeah, or like Aunt Jemima, like all that. That's that's uh, not yeah. real. Ma- that's not yeah. real maple syrup. But if you have pure maple syrup, it's just from a tree and it's boiled. <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. So, um, well, it's, it's reduced tree water. Yeah. And it, it is, it is good for you. There's so, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to have it three times a day, even though it's no. good for you. It's healthy. I mean, like it's not made super good for it's you. It's like I mean? palm sugar. I mean, it's, it's like a yeah. sugar that, or agave syrup. I mean, it's, it's a sugar that is not as, it's not as refined as white sugar. So it's not, it's not mm-hmm. giving you the, the, the intense heroin hit. <laughs> right. Of white sugar it's there's right. other there are other uh parts to it what's the word i'm looking for um components uh yeah uh uh you know what i forget the english language um <laughs> uh, not sediments so, but but so, yeah. so there are bits and bobs the bits and pieces in it bits and bobs are <laughs> good it's got good bits and bobs in it good um, bits of bob 
Yeah, and, and also the, the other thing I've talked about on, on the show is because they've they've created this this myth that Korean food, all Korean food, is healthy. Uh, then that means people are eating more Korean fried chicken. They're eating all the 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 boonshik, the the fried <laughs> foods outside of oh, uh, elementary food. schools. And that's what's gotten me. That that's what one thing that got me was it was kind of a foreign food is unhealthy, Korean food is healthy. So you have these foods that have these these I mean these these schools that have these green food zones where they're supposed to not have unhealthy food, but then there's a boonshik a duck bookie place right outside the gate in the green food zone. Well, I mean, my so my daughter she, they they this is what they serve today. My daughter's lunch because we get a list of food that they have. Mm-hmm. My wife was my wife was bitching about this event last night, and I was joining her in that bitching because it was silly. Mm-hmm. For lunch today, my daughter in grade one had no choice but to eat budechige. <laughs> what kid in grade one wants budechige? <laughs> and she it. didn't. And she like we tell her it's like when they give you food, you know you're gonna have to eat. And then I'm just thinking, man, it's like, it's, I, I, it's, it's better in, when in Canada, you, you, at least when I was in school, you make, you were sent to school with lunches uh, and that's, yeah. I think that's the best thing. I'd like, just know what your kids are, are eating, know yeah. where it's come from. This whole green food zone stuff is bullshit. Yeah. Absolute horseshit. They, they got hot dogs and pizza and stuff too. Not today, but at various times. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, what's this? It's nonsense. Yeah. So silly. It's um, propaganda. Mm. Yeah, another surprising and, and, thing. And I, oh, I just want to. I'll just say very, very quickly to interject. I have a theory on why this kind of started, and I think mm-hmm. there's a link to creating the Korean identity in the '60s through Park Chung Hee. Ah, uh-huh. yep, 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 and, yep, 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 and and when so Park Chung Hee is responsible for the the cultural heritage association. It wasn't called that when he established it in the sixties, but what is now the CHA was established in the sixties by Pak Chung-hee. He started these massive campaigns to solidify Korean identity and through the CHA, the precursor to the CHA. And, um, and part of that was food, which is a really smart way to do it. Cause what's something that everyone in every culture experiences every single day, mm-hmm. cuisine, Mm-hmm. Um, if they're fortunate enough and people were just starting to be able to eat more regularly from the sixties going into the seventies, the poverty was starting to decrease gradually. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, creating this sense of unity through food is a really good way to do it. And Koreans have always loved their food. Like we talked about, in the, was it the last episode? The picture, the, the, there's the guy, the, guy the with the giant bowl of rice and all the, all the right. food around him. Yeah. Right. So Koreans have always been very attached to their food culturally, which is really cool. But the idea that the food is so superior to every other food is a created national myth yeah. by the government to solidify the the heritage identity of Koreans. Mm-hmm. That's my theory of it, and, 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 and that, that's what it is. And that, and I, yeah, yeah. I, I was tr- it was it's culinary colonialism. Koreans <laughs> trying to do, <laughs> yeah. It's just like um, it's not. Don't 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 eat our food because you might like it. Eat our food because it's better than your food. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but uh, but I mean, I mean like that that you know it. it 
that that argument that I have does fly because you can see examples of similar things being done in Korea, been in other countries. Mm. When you try to create this national identity, you use things that everyone can cling to, and food is the easiest thing to do it. What's sure. one thing that Americans do? Something that most of our listeners are from the states. There's nothing more American than apple pie. Mm. Well. The irony of that is apple pie isn't American. No. It's British, right? But well, they created, yeah. yeah, yeah, they created this idea where everyone can surround themselves through Americana on a particular comfort food. Yeah, it makes sense. You create an identity, it creates a heritage, and then, yeah. and then you have you have this this baseline that everyone within that group can follow. Yeah, and that's what's happened with Korean food. But but now Koreans don't eat much, as much rice as they used to. So that's another oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge. That's a surprising a thing. Yeah, the people don't eat as much rice as they used to. Yeah, um, and I have a few and, things about my friend as well who who commented on that. But you, you, go ahead. Yeah. Well, okay. So we talked last time about the the picture the picture from the Joseon era, the guy with the big giant bowl of rice, and we've talked we've heard stories from. 15, the the Hideyoshi invasions time. Well, Japanese were talking about. Oh my God, the Koreans really eat a ton of rice. <laughs> um, th- this the reduction of rice consumption. Kind, I mean, officially um, started with the Park Chung Hee era in the 1960s, uh, when when the government was really trying to reduce rice consumptions, and that's when the stainless steel restaurant rice bowl came into came into being. Was to train koreans to eat smaller portions of rice really yeah no idea that's that's why i'm doing this episode this is the fascinating (laughs) stuff (laughs) Mm. interesting interesting okay the interesting thing finally we might have an answer to why koreans use metal chopsticks oh why they have spoons okay well i mean there I, i i there are some theories that I know there's a yeah. historian, Edward, Edward Wong, who, who ah, wrote a whole yep. book on I was talking about Edward whole, Wong. Yeah. I'm referring yeah. to Edward Wong. <laughs> yeah. He wrote a whole book on it. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and yeah, that, it's really interesting. There, there's, there's actually, uh, there's a video. It's like only a three minute video, uh, talking about the differences between, uh, Chinese, Korean and Japanese chopsticks and why they're different. And it, they're talking, it's Edward Wong telling this stuff. Um, fascinating, so fascinating. But yeah, the Korean metal chopsticks, uh, they came around, uh, the legend has it that the, the Baekje court, uh, Baekje, part of the Three Kingdoms period. Sean knows the dates. I'm always forgetting the dates of the Three Kingdoms period. Um, Baekje was the southwestern part of Korea. Uh, they used these silver chopsticks to detect arsenic poison. Um and the earliest relic of metal chopsticks is from 18 BCE. Um, nonetheless, even if they could detect poison or not, they were more hygienic than wood or bamboo. Um, and so, uh, uh, so generally, metal chopsticks are more hygienic. They're easier to clean and reuse than bamboo chopsticks, especially now um, with stainless steel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, but if you, anyone who has used metal chopsticks has said, oh, these are very difficult to use. And, and I feel, and, 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 and yeah, people that actually come from other chopstick country, using countries like Japan and China, 
They also complain that Korean chopsticks are difficult to use. I've had people on my tours. Yeah, because yeah. because uh, the only food component on any of my tours is the is the Seoul hike, my hiking tours, because eating is a massive part of uh, Korean hiking culture. At the mm-hmm. end, there's yeah. even a word for it. This is the Hasanju, which mm-hmm. means descent booze. Uh, but when you have Ju with a word, the J U usually, it often means alcohol that you have with food. Mekju, there's always there's always Anju with it. Soju, you never eat. You never have soju on its own. You always have something with it. So mm-hmm. hasanju, the ju means booze, but it actually refers to the whole meal. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I've had people from Singapore, um, uh, Taiwan, Hong Kong. Um, yeah, yeah, most uh, the Philippines on my tours. And they've often commented how they don't like Korean chopsticks. And one guy, we sat down at the restaurant after we're sitting down and we're, it's uh, these days now I go to a guksu restaurant, really uh, beautiful yeah, noodle, noodles, noodle restaurant. Yeah. It's beautiful homemade noodles. The broth is just wonderful. Mm-hmm. And um, a really big hit with my other Asian, uh, with my clients from other Asian countries. And they love the noodles, but while we were sitting down, one guy reached into his bag and he pulled out a case. He's like, I brought my own chopsticks. <laughs> and he said I, he had been to Korea before, didn't like Korean chopsticks, really didn't like them. And yeah. so he, he loves Korea, though. And every subsequent time he came back, he brought chopsticks from, from home. <laughs> I think he was from Singapore. And so, yeah, it's smart. Yeah. But so 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 that because metal chopsticks are a little more difficult and the food keeps slipping, that's why the spoon comes. Mm-hmm. That's why you have the spoons, <laughs> so you can catch it if it slips through. And Koreans eat a lot of soups too. I think. Yeah, well, that, that makes sense too. Yeah, but but yeah. but yeah, the metal spoon with the metal chopsticks and the long long handled long stem spoon, which I right. love. Um, the metal chopsticks didn't really spread to the commoners until the Joseon. And I've, I've looking for so many reasons, but it's the same old that what I was thinking originally is because, you know, copy the nobles, copy what the nobles are doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With something that eventually it's noble, eventually become, becomes ignoble, <laughs> I guess, yeah, in a lot of ways. True. And then, and then other people would pick it up like Dukbuki. That was a noble food. Com- yeah. Commoners never eat dakbuki. That's that's tw- that's a 20th century idea. Because period. industrialization made it more available. Because that's a tough thing to make. To yeah, work. and I think I think it was like post Korean War that it really. If I'm remembering right that I yeah. read previously that it really became just a common. Now, now dakbuki is a staple food. Yeah, a staple jump. A staple itself uh, is just a very was a very. Uh, time-consuming process making duck and right, a lot of right. labor. Yeah, sure. Right, exactly. In the past, but yeah, a lot of, you know, and then now dakbuki is just a, a staple junk food in Korea. Yeah. So, yeah, you got machines to do it now. Yeah. But this is really interesting so. I found is I'm finding out modern Japanese consumers are starting to prefer Korean metal chopsticks because of their durability. Really? Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't find them anymore. I do find well. I find it interesting because I don't find them any more durable um, than yeah. wooden ones, honestly. No, um, washing, yeah, because I'm okay. So my girls, washing, sure, sure. My girls, I'm the weird one. Is, is they're the ones that have been eating using a lot of wooden chopsticks lately. So I'm finding them in the in the sink and I'm washing them, and they're getting discolored. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, and you know, like girls throw it away. This is not sanitary. Right, right. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, we get the metal ones. My my favorite ones I use uh is I think I talked about these are, are these uh silicone coated plastic chopsticks. Hmm. They're very light and they're very grippy. Okay. Yeah, I can see yeah, that. It's silicone, yeah. They're they're light but they also have a little bit of heft. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love right. them. I love them. Um, so, so just quick, if anyone wants to read that book by, and I think we were calling him Wong. It's not Wong. It's Wang. Ed, Wang. It's Q, Q Edward Wang. Uh, W-A-N-G is the author. So the book is called, the title is just Chopsticks. And it's something like the culinary and cultural history, I think, or cultural and culinary history. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it's fascinating. It's a really good book. I, I, I have, I, I got it a couple of years ago. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, for me, it was surprising, like why Japanese chopsticks are shaped the way they are. So that's, mm. but don't tell. But read the book. Yes. <laughs> okay, so let's clear this up too. Ingredients that I see on mostly American and British blogs, magazines, TV shows that are not Korean that are put in Korean food and Korean recipes, and they're not saying they're fusion. They are saying these. Are Korean recipes. So ingredients mm. that I'm finding in Korean recipes online that are not Korean. Cilantro. What? <laughs> Koreans hate cilantro. Yes. Why widely despise it? Okay, don't look at the notes, Sean, because I, I don't want you to look at the notes because I, okay, okay, I, I, I like hearing I like hearing your reactions to this. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> so cilantro, yes, Koreans don't like cilantro. Uh, mm. If you go to a Vietnamese restaurant in Korea, you have to ask for cilantro. They have to bring them from the back. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Koreans don't like cilantro. Um, lime, lime, yeah. The Limes broke- used to be a black market item, like like hotels and bars. Would with smug get them smuggled from the U.S. military base? Do you want some lime? Yeah, lime used to get, be as recently as ten years ago. Hey, bro, want some lime? Yeah, got some lime. Yeah, Southside Parlor had a base connection when they opened ten years ago uh, to get their limes. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Very popular cocktail bar. Um, so yeah, limes. We don't no. We don't use limes. Um, coconut. Yeah. I don't even think lime, like lime trees can't even grow in that. Maybe they couldn't judge you. Well, they can't judge you, but yeah. coconut. What? Yeah. How far south do these people think Korea is? Uh, a lot of people get Korean confused. Well, this is this comes from I think it was season one or two. I think season two of Top Chef, and they did a, a Korea versus Vietnam Vietnam battle, and someone on the Korean team made a coconut panna cotta. And this is what got me was only Ming Tsai questioned about the coconut not being Korean. The other chefs didn't even think about it. They just complained about the panna cotta being too, uh, too hard. No one mentioned that coconut doesn't belong in Korean food. Right. right. <laughs> now I love coconut, but yeah, it's not in any, in, uh, nothing that I've ever eaten. That's Korean. I've had one dish with coconut, and it's the poktan bap over at Nodangjin, the bomb rice. They put coconut in it. Yeah, but but it's considered an an unusual bibimbap. No, it's extremely spicy, <laughs> and they put they put uh oh gosh they put nuts in it and coconut. It's really good peanuts, peanuts and coconut. Yeah, it's really good. Hmm. 
Um, Sriracha. <laughs> well, they're getting a little bit closer to Korea, I guess. Anyway. Yeah, I've seen I've seen Korean barbecue recipes using sriracha. Uh, now Koreans like sriracha. Like oh, we, we like sriracha. It's not a Korean like, sauce. No, we have like my wife always has. A, she we just bought a, a, a new bottle of sriracha. We always have sriracha in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so she, <laughs> Koreans like it, but it's Chinese, right? Is it original? No, it's from China? it's 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 uh, Vietnamese. The Vietnamese, 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 yeah. Um, or Thai? No, we'll go, no, because you always see it with Vietnam. Yeah, no, it's it's Vietnamese. Um, <clears throat> but the thing is, I keep you seeing it used as a substitute for gochujang in recipes. Oh no, it's totally different from gochujang. Yeah, totally different flavor profile. Oh my god! Even the texture is totally different. Yeah, totally different. I love sriracha, but I mean, no, I mean, no, it's not the same thing. All right, and one more ingredient that is a that's bit like of... I'm like I'm sorry, oh, that just sorry. made that just made me think. One time, I love chutney, and yeah. I lo- I love red chutney and I love green chutney. I just love chutney. But one yeah. time, I went to an Indian restaurant, supposedly an Indian restaurant in Korea, and instead of chutney, they brought oh, no. me ketchup. Oh my god! I said, "I'm not differing. I am not differing, dipping my pagoda in ketchup. Do you have chutney?" They're like, "Oh no! What, what is chutney?" It's like oh, this isn't an. What Indian is place. chutney? <laughs> yeah. So it was the, the thing was that that shitty Indian place that s- still is in Insulon, Little India. A little India. Oh, I've this, never been this, in there. That's like that was this was like eighteen years ago or something. Oh like, no, okay. there's one on the north side it's of Incident called Nirvana, and the mm. owner will talk your head off. Because that's the reason I don't go there these days because I want to eat in peace without him striking we, up a conversation with me. Do we go there once together? It's on the second. No, floor? we went to we went to the one to the west, which is rarely open yeah, these days. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. No, Nirvana is really good. It's just the the owner, even the staff. One of his staff told me he's like the guy won't shut up. <laughs> but I like Nirvana. It's good. It's really good. Um, the guy and they were closed for a few months because the owner was going back to India to um, get more recipe, get more yeah, get more recipes, improving his dishes. Okay. Um, and also, uh, this is this is a small nitpicky one. She so leaves. I don't know what that is. What you really see that. That is a Japanese leaf. And okay. it's, it's confused for K-nip a lot. And a lot of people keep saying you can uh, substitute Siso uh, for K-nip, and you can't. It's a very different flavor profile. People might not know what K-nip is. K-nip is a perilla leaf, and it has more right. of a, a light, like a slight licorice flavor. Yeah, I love perilla. Yeah, me too. Shiso, uh, yeah. I, I don't know how to describe Shiso leaves. But it's not. Yeah. it doesn't taste like perilla. There's there's a mountain called um uh Saunsan the west the West Cloud Mountain. Um and um they have a whole near one of the trailheads at the bottom in the valley, there's a there's a Dulke Dulke so um the Perilla farm. Wild wild perilla, yeah. No, it's a farm. It's a farm. They're farming oh, it. But that's how that's my translation for it is wild, wild sesame. Oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah. So it's just when you're walking by this farm going up into the 
into uh, sound sound. That's got to oh, smell man. so good. That's so good. good. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm mm-hmm. thinking of uh, I'm thinking of getting some uh, dulce kitam, some uh, wild perilla mm-hmm. oil uh, right. from the from the um, traditional market as uh, Christmas gifts when I go back to America. Oh, cool! Yeah, that would be that'd be yeah, good. That's a good gift. Mm-hmm. That'd be a good gift. Mm-hmm. Freshly freshly pressed, it'd be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Um, now this is the controversial section. Uh, what constitutes a, a traditional Korean dish? Because that that's this is one that gets me on at a time. Because, okay, this is all you. <laughs> yeah, because um, a lot of Korean foods that people are saying are traditional aren't that old, aren't that traditional. Um, and, and people and people have tried to backdate them, saying that oh no 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 no, they're, they're, the origin is this dish. And I'm like the origin may be the inspiration. But that dish itself does not is not that old. Um, the big one that's going to surprise. Oh, oh, uh, and, and yeah, and so a lot of these you're not you're also not going to find like grandma home recipes for some of these dishes too because they were invented in restaurants and in and in Korean Michael like Korean delis and they're, they're pub dishes as well. Mm. Um, the big one that's going to surprise you is, cab- is cabbage kimchi. Um, it really. It really didn't get popular until the 20th century. I used to to say the 19th, but my recent research is the 20th century. Like, like the turn of the 20th century, like, like, because Chinese cabbage did not appear in Korea until the early 1900s. And it only became popular with agricultural improvements in the 1950s. And, and and to back this up even more, the diaspora, the Koreans who had Mike emigrated from Korea before the 20th century, like the ones over in Uzbekistan and other parts of the world, they don't use they don't use they don't make cabbage kimchi. They make right. it with carrots yeah. and such. Yeah, there's no cabbage That's, kimchi in, in the diaspora. Right, and then for everyone, if you may have missed our episode, speaking with the uh, with the person. Joe's talking about Olga Kim. Yeah, it's the part of the diaspora heritage in uh, Uzbekistan. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, go back and listen to that episode, which is now probably a few yeah. episodes back, so not too long ago. Cabbage kimchi did not get popular until the 50s, the 1950s and 60s. Uh, mm-hmm. and to, the march, to the point that, that North Korea still primarily, primarily makes radish kimchi, <laughs> not cabbage kimchi. I prefer that. I don't, I'm not really big on on uh like the napa cabbage kimchi i like, it. I, like I mean i like I, white kimchi i mean too. i like i like oh pet kimchi is great i like it but it's not my favorite type of kimchi it's probably one of my like i would probably pick 10 other types of kimchi over the regular cabbage kimchi one of them would be radish with the moo kimchi absolutely i would mm. take it the big introductory kimchi is cucumber i think for people who love don't it. like kimchi, love it. cucumber kimchi is the way to go in. It's a pickle. <laughs> it's um, fantastic! I absolutely love it. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely love the 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 yeah the oi kimchi, mul kimchi as well. I love water kimchi. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, and I'm trying to think because. The samguk sagi, mm-hmm. the 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 um, 
the the, the the book about the, the the history of the three kingdoms and it's it's a it's a very you have to take it with a grain of salt um but uh it some some of the records some of the, the points made in that in that book are very likely fairly accurate it does mention fermented veg it does mention fermentation i can't remember if it mentions ve- vegetables i think it does but i'm pretty sure it doesn't mention cabbage because this would have been shilla. no it doesn't no, no. And, and it wasn't even no. called kimchi no that's right that's right and i don't even think um i can't remember a word that it uses off the top of my head right now but it just it says ferment fermented vegetables and um uh yeah, it doesn't mention anything about cabbage. I don't even think it mentions specifically the type of vegetable itself, but the book does mention that ferment, fermented uh, vegetables became important because of the Buddhist influence in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the Shila dynasty. Mm-hmm. So there's some history there. So kind of showing that it's at least not that, you know, and that's Sheila, that's back to the, you know, that's way, way back. If you're going talking about really early, it's, sorry, that's pre-Sheila, um, really, really early history going back to uh, the Three Kingdoms or prior to Three Kingdoms, that's, you know, that's going some sometimes some of that's the first century. Yeah. So, so yeah. but anyway, interesting stuff. Yeah. Kimchi. So cabbage kimchi, not that old, <laughs> right? So, so, do you know why that became the the prevalent type ah, of kimchi? Yeah, it's just easier. To, uh, they, they came with because of the farming implementations of way, ways of growing it, and yeah, okay, just in part of the industrialization. Right. It made more sense with industrialization. Right. Um, andong jim duck, which is the the stewed or braised chicken from andong that a lot of people love. <laughs> And a lot of people are like, oh God, this is I love this traditional dish. 1980s. Yeah, and you I think you're I want to I'm not I'm not interrupting. I think I want because I'm a I don't know any of this, but I think um I think a lot of people don't really know what the word traditional actually means. Um tradition, yeah. something that is traditional is, is something that is long established. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it's it not like an old dish, right? So, but 1980s would not be long. So I'm agreeing with with what you're saying. Yeah. I'm just trying to clarify for anyone who might might be thinking, oh, but the 80s that's that's you know 35, 40 years that's long enough. No, it wouldn't be. Um, that's not even a generation. Well, there's um, there's a reason I'm bringing I'm putting in these dates for what I'm going to talk about later. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Very, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't Jim Doc. Uh, 1980s even though they're trying to backdate it and say it has origins in another dish but no it was not invented until the 1980s okay uh dakabi chicken gabi that we love so much mm, so um was uh, around the between the 50s and 60s likely the 60s mm. um cuts from the chinchon area over east of seoul um lots of poultry farms near chinchon um, it was invented at a bar in Yosundong, and it was Anju. It was drinking food, it was pub food. Oh, yeah, um, and it started getting popularity with workers that were working on the Soyanggang Dam. 
and uh, got popular with local military units stationed there, uh, Korean military units. Mm. And uh, it got the name. And there's also uh, uh, universities in that area. So it, it got, well, it got to be known as uh, uh, Somin Galbi, which is common Galbi, common, commoner's Galbi, and uh, Dehak Seng Galbi, student, oh. <laughs> college student Galbi. Mm. <laughs> so those are other names for Duck Galbi. Yeah, it was, it was student Galbi. Yeah. Dancing and that, it's a, it, there, and there's, yes, there's no ribs in Galbi, even though it means literally means chicken ribs. It's, mm. it's a tongue in cheek pun. Because Galbi is an expensive food, and uh, this is the closest like college students could get to, to eating Galbi was this chicken dish. Chicken legs. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, another one that sounds like Duck Galbi is Duck Galbi. Mm, duck Galbi. It's good stuff. Duck Galbi. It looks, like, it looks like a Korean hamburger steak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It kind of does. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh 1910 for that one. And and it was um people who were exiled from the palace that went down south. I think it's south of Jeonju but north of Gwangju, around there. And that's really the home of Dokgalbi is down there. And uh they were just trying to reinvent a dish they had from the court. And that became Dokgalbi. So yeah, that hasn't even been around. That's only been around a hundred years. Uh, and of course, most of our street foods um, are very recent. Uh, that everyone's crowding around the carts. Uh, they came around the night. A lot of them came around around nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies. The the what's called the boonshik, and that mm. came about because again we mentioned the rice shortages, and uh, Germany and the U.S. were bringing in lots of aid of wheat flour wheat flour mm. is not that common in the korean diet so pak chung he started like encouraging people coming up with ways of using the wheat flour and that's when i mean noodles did exist but they got a lot more popular during this time um all your fried stuff that you get at the street food carts um things like that and for a long time topoki was made with with wheat flour not rice flour mm. A lot of it still is. Sometimes yeah. it's very texturally and the flavor. Yeah. You can tell them Mock- apart. Makgeolli was made with wheat and not rice. Mm. Yeah. So, so a lot of these traditional foods are not that traditional. Now, mm. I'm bringing this up because I think we brought this up before. Was was uh, ran to a, a young uh, Korean chef that didn't. He, he just is coming off and of saying Korean fried chicken is not a traditional Korean food. It's foreign. Mm. And I'm like, but okay. Now that we've considered that Andong Jim Duck's been only been around since the 1980s, it's been around a lot longer than Korean fried chicken. Korean fried chicken came about in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, one thing, flour was coming in, but also cooking oil funds just suddenly dropped in price. And um, this was just considered like a great moment of decadence. And so these bars would uh, fry chicken and they would change the oil very often because you could. And uh, 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 Korean fried chicken, yeah, it was inspired by maybe foreigners on the base, on the Americans. Um, But it was really a Korean thing. Uh, They would cook it in... The big, the big giant locks, 
um, Gamasolt. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's been it's been around since at least the early seventies, and it was very much a Korean thing. Korean. There's one thing that Koreans just took and just made it their own, unlike Korean pizza. <laughs> it, it got improved a lot. The fried chicken, and it was and it was paired with beer, um, because that was gaining in popularity at the time. And and it's, you just find that that lager beer works so well with fried chicken, especially Korean fried chicken, which has a whole different spice profile flavor profile compared to american fried chicken and lots of cultures around the world make their own fried chickens um so anyway fried chicken it's more tradition it, it it has more of a claim on tradition than jim doc i would say um bude chige a lot of pe- people say that is not traditional korean food that's that is, that's because it uses hot dogs and spam and like still it is it it's been around about as long as dakgalbi and as cabbage kimchi bude chigi has been around about as long as cabbage, cabbage kimchi um and so i would say that that is very much a korean food and that that and that i think that i love that story because it is a good story of of a creativity when you don't have when the, in times when you don't have plenty and uh where where people were finding ways of taking uh basically i don't want to say trash but 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 extras from the u.s bases and making something delicious with it things that that people were thinking were throwaway parts and making something really good that's how a lot of great dishes around the world came about was people you know barbecue american barbecue came from that uh, people taking the, the the throwaway parts and making something good with it. And Bude Chige is that. It's hot dog and spam stew. And it's still, I love it. I'm sorry. I know your daughter had it, but you know. No, I mean, I mean, but like what, 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 what kid in grade one is going to want Bude Chige, honestly? <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's, spi- it's spicy, you know, there's. Oh, that. It's, yeah. It's not healthy. No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got a very interesting history to it. Yeah, but I'm my, my own. I don't. I I don't like it. I don't like I it. Love but it. I um, love it. because it has, it. Be, if because I honestly, it's because I hate, absolutely hate spam. I can't eat it. I, I did dis- until I had budechige. <laughs> spam in budechige solidified my hatred of spam, and uh, then I hated, and I hate, hated budechige because of it. Mm, so, yeah, yeah. And that's, but Anthony Bourdain fell in love with it. So, that yeah, I think. Now, this is the most controversial one. I will say cheese is officially a Korean ingredient. Oh, listen to my li, li, to listen to my logic here. All right. So, uh, our our company a year a few years ago was uh, hired to help researchers. Uh, Hired, who were hired by the U.S. Dairy Council to find out why there was a sudden spike in cheese consumption, uh, dairy consumption in Korea, and why why America was exporting so much cheese to Korea all of a sudden. And so I was with them, helping them with this research, and uh, they they find they've let me now. I'm allowed to talk about this now, what they found out, and it um, it came from the 2008 financial crisis. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, so there's a saying that Kore- when when Koreans are under stress, Koreans uh, go towards very punishing spicy foods. Once want 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 to to have the spice to to get off the heat to to get out that stress. Uh, I would say that's the reason bulldog fire chicken came about after the 1997 financial Asian financial crisis. Um. So 2008, uh, that, that didn't really hit Korea until 2009. And around that time, there was uh, a young, uh, not young, uh, um, older man and woman. Uh, they ran a spicy pork ribs place over in Shilimdong in southwestern Seoul. And it was really, it's really good. And, and uh, he started getting a little bit more business because people were wanting something really spicy. And um, he would go and check with the tables and say, okay, well, well, how do you like your food? And they go, oh, it's delicious. Oh, would you like some more? And they go, oh, it's really, I can't handle much more than this. Uh, I've hit my limit. And so he experimented by throwing uh, a mixture of uh, mozzarella, uh, I think Edam and some other cheeses, but basically a, a shredded cheese mixture. And made what was like a fondue, and uh, you melt the cheese at the table with with the meat, and you would take the rib and you wrap the cheese, melted cheese around your rib, and you eat it. And uh, people were eating more because of that. And then the word spread, and he had a line out the door. And uh, of course, with his success, other people were copying his success. So all these other other places, um, and Hongdae started coming all around uh, spreading through Hongdae, spreading through Gangnam, spreading through the rest of the Seoul, all the way to the point where my wife who is, does not follow any trend suddenly wants to go try the cheese ribs. Um, and then uh, other, other, other uh, dishes started getting the same treatment. Uh, uh, gopchang, uh, uh, spicy intestines. Of course, duck galbi already was getting it, but anything that was really spicy, would get would get dumped with cheese and people would just eat more of it so so gochujang and cheese started being associated with each other and yes it, it got so big that i came up i came across a report by the u.s dairy council talking about how koreans were eating so much cheese it was affecting u.s dairy prices and it's i affecting say to- affecting toilets across the peninsula yeah but i'm just say this when a tiny country like South Korea is eating so much cheese, it is moving the giant mountain that is North America with their dairy prices. I would say at this point, cheese is officially a Korean ingredient. Right there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's. I still, I still struggle with the word "traditional" being used because I don't think it's long enough, but. Um, I, I think say, it, did I say traditional? It's officially, officially, officially it's a officially Korean a Korean ingredient. Um, yeah, so, and, and we also yeah. have uh, Imshil cheese as well. We also have a domestic cheese industry. Right, one of the right. only places in Asia that has a cheese making region. Hmm. So, I mean, that's. I think that's that's fine. There are other Asian countries, uh, the, the, the subcontinent. They have wonderful cheeses. Uh, oh, I mean, East Asia, East. You know what I mean. Oh no, I know, but I'm saying there are other Asian countries that have that have their own their wonderful traditions of cheese. Uh, like uh, paneer is a beautiful mm-hmm. cheese. I love I love paneer. 
um or yak cheese yak cheese is amazing it's a yeah, very so you've said yeah yeah so um and so i definitely i wouldn't categorize cheese as being traditional now for sure and i don't sorry i don't remember if you actually said that but some people may be arguing for it um it's definitely if trends continue then cheese would will be passed down to subsequent generations therefore it becomes heritage if it keeps going for a couple of generations three four generations then mm-hmm. it's then it's traditional definitely so it might it, yeah. it might be you could it, cheese could easily the way especially we're seeing cheese in the last like few years it's on its way to becoming possibly a traditional korean food yeah really it's, it's and it's yeah. fine to look at it that way and i i and so it's just back to what i was saying a while ago i think people kind of struggle with the definition what, what traditional actually means um and i was saying you i mean just people generally mm-hmm. and so interesting yeah i don't i don't like cheese and all the korean food and so it, it, like a bit of cheese like i like cheese sometimes with um um i don't like cheese with ribs like the way like you're describing i don't like that I that guy's ribs were really good though I went to that. I went to the original. I mean, the ribs are probably great, but I, for yeah. me, I wouldn't want cheese in them. That I just, I'm not a big fan of fondue either. Um, so, but, um, but I think there's certain Korean foods I like putting cheese with. Uh, a little bit of cheese with dakbuki is great, but mm. this new rose sauce trend is is gross. It's <laughs> absolutely fucking disgusting. I hate it. I hate uh... it. Yeah. I should call my wife and you want to hear a Korean going, going absolutely crazy <laughs> ranting about how much she hates cheese. Uh, and, and not just a little bit of cheese melted on the top, melted through into the sauce. So it becomes a rosé, a rosé. Mm. Oh, gross. Which rosé sauce isn't made with cheese, right? It's made with no, it's cream. cream. It's, it's a cream and tomato sauce. Yeah. Right. Right. So, but they're calling it, it's, and it's, it's like pizza cheese. <laughs> melts uh... it into, it's fucking gross disgusting what a what a terrible thing to do to such a great comfort food but i mean like you know it's a trend so the trends could die so it may just disappear eventually as well yeah so and then if it doesn't pass on doesn't become heritage then it doesn't become a tradition oh well so, all right keep your fingers so what i mean like i mean like it would be yeah i'm very but i love and this is what my whole my research my whole my whole well, my deep interest in everything even mm-hmm. though i'm not a foodie in any way I was still love watching these things happen. And I'm very, I'm always like guessing like, where's this going to go in five, 10 years? Will it be around? Can then heritage researchers categorize it as uh, a tradition, uh, as a heritage t- tradition eventually? I just, this, that stuff fascinates me, even if I'm not within the topic itself or knowledgeable enough about the, the topic itself, like food. So, mm. but very interested to see what's going to happen in the future with Korean food. Yeah. So um, we might go back to this topic. And if you have any other comments about your opinions of Korean food and what's traditional or what is what what constitutes a Korean ingredient, yeah, write us. We'll return to the podcast after this message. Take a walk through Seoul's 500 years of ghastly murders, forbidden history, and hidden scandals. Listen to tales of Korea's deepest, darkest secrets. What lies under the concrete? Or who 
The Dark Side of Soul Ghost Walk at darksideofsoul.com. Book now if you dare. Mm-hmm. Do, do we have any listener mail? We do have some listener mail. And uh, let's see. So the listener mail, I have two today. Um, so I'm going to read the, just this first one. And this is from Carlos M., who sent us a tour review via TripAdvisor. And uh, yeah, so Carlos was on my tour. And I just want to say hello to Carlos. Carlos was such a cool guy. Carlos and his girlfriend joined the tour. Mm. Uh, The other people who booked that night didn't show up. So Carlos and his girlfriend got a private tour. And it was cold. It was a freeze. It was a very frigid night. And it was just a, a really great night for uh, for the tour. So Carl and Carlos says he listens to the podcast. So hey. hello, Carlos. Hope you're listening now. Uh, great to meet you. Hope to see you again in Korea. Um, and Carlos wrote of the of the tour. It was a cold night, and the tour guide was very accommodating. My Korean girlfriend, who was also on the tour, told me she could see Seoul in a totally different perspective, even though she has lived in the city her whole life. Super recommended. Never lose the chance to explore this fantastic and mysterious city with this tour. So thank you, Carlos. And the second one, this is going to be different, Joe. I'm going to do something a little bit different here. This Uh, is a review of your barbecue tour. Oh, my. Yeah. I I, I haven't seen this. I don't know. What you're gonna read? I'm scared. This is uh, this is uh, from Sandra F, who did Joe's barbecue tour. Joe is a dick bag. The food was sh- no, yeah, <laughs> no. Uh, the, and uh, Sandra said uh, we had the best time with Joe. He was very friendly, entertaining, and introduced us to delicious food and beverages that we would not have known to order. The evening flew by and was one of the highlights of our trip. So thank you. There you go. So that's the first time we've read a review of another one of our tours. Huh. And since we're talking, since we're talking about food, I decided to put one. In, thank you. Put it up there. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to say you can get also get our comic. Uh, well, kind of the new one's coming out soon. We'll see. Mm. Very soon. It's so good. It's so good too. It's great. That's good. That's good. Uh, you get a dice latte and get it uh, online. You go to our store at darksideofsoul.com and click on store. I think it's store and you get it there. Um, the, the electronic shop version. is it? Oh, sorry. I don't remember. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Shop, the, something cho- like, the chop mm. shop. The chop shop. Chop shop. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, also, our uh, our music is by Sordaksan, which you can find on Bandcamp under Jeju Digital. We'd like to thank our top tier patrons, Angel Earl, Joel Bonamini, Sharon Cullen, Devin Hivner, Minsuk Lee, Alex Radia, Ryan Berkabal, Gabby Palomino, Steve Marsh, Chad Strauss, Mitchie Brewer, Sarah Ford, Tony A., Sean Brown, Laura Casey, and Ashley Rigby. Thank you for supporting our podcast uh you too can uh join this this cadre cadavers uh at uh, patreon.com slash dark side of soul starting at just five dollars a week you get extra content and we're now getting a lot more uh i've 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 dropped a few more quite a few more uh expats of the far east episodes so you can get to listen to those oh did you put some oh okay i'm gonna go listen to those 
Yeah, they're 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 dropping around every Sunday or Saturday. Okay, cool. Yeah, Sunday I didn't check. Monday. Yeah, yeah, I didn't look at our Patreon page uh, in a couple <laughs> of days. Okay, we can go have a look, have a listen. They're mm. fun. Mm. <laughs> they're mm. fun. Definitely. All right. Okay, guys, this is a long episode, so uh, thanks for listening. Uh, until next time, stay spooky. Yummy. Yeah,